Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. Is that the kind of taste buds I have? <laughs> Do I have the taste buds of a pregnant woman? Life 107.1. I think this was probably a pretty selfish thought, but it's what was going through my mind this weekend. I miss the days of getting on Facebook and arguing over what color a dress is. Hmm. The, the, the meaningless stuff? All the meaningless, the memes, and the goofball, and the light and fluffy, because the last few days... There's been a lot of pain. There's not a lot of light and fluffy. No. And, and, and when you do come across it, it almost seems out of place. Yeah. And, and it just hurts so much to read it. And I want it to get back to normal. I want it to not hurt anymore. But then I've been thinking about uh, our pastor's been quoting this verse. I've seen others quoting this verse about how we're called to mourn with those who mourn. I never really knew what that meant. I still don't know if I know what that means. Well, I've... I've been learning about mourning the last few years. In 2015, my brother-in-law died on my birthday. Um, we had a succession of basically losing family members every calendar year for about five years. Your family on both sides has been hit hard. And one thing I learned about mourning is you are going to have friends who will come to the funeral, who will send you a sympathy card, and then they'll hang back and wait for you to go back to normal. They'll wait for you to be light and fluffy again, for it not to be hard for them to be around you. It's kind of Western culture. We want you to get through it real quick. But there are really good friends. And Jen, you've been one of those friends who are willing to walk into the pain that they could avoid. Mm. I can't get away from the pain of my cousin losing his life in a car accident. Mm -mm. I think about him every day. I have a lot of friends who can. They can choose to ignore me on Facebook or they can choose to avoid talking about Josh with me. But I have friends like Jen who will come and sit with me in what feels like my own personal rain cloud. And so now I think about my brothers and sisters who saw the video of George Floyd Mm -hmm. or of Ahmaud Arbery Mm -hmm. and saw that could be me. It could be my son. And just because Facebook is eventually going to go back to normal doesn't mean they will be suddenly free of the mourning that they're going through. No, and we need to learn to mourn with them. And I think the beautiful thing is God tells us to mourn with them, and he also does that. Because in Revelation, yeah, he promises he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes, and the pain is going to go away, and we're going to go back to something so much better than normal. But in the meantime, he's not hanging back and waiting for that to happen. Mm -mm. The Psalms say God stores our tears in a bottle. I love that. God's not ignoring our pain. In fact, he's storing it and saving it and putting it on display. And even though he doesn't need to, he hurts with his kids who are hurting. So the least that I can do is hurt with my brothers and sisters who are hurting right now. Have you ever looked at a verse in the Bible and wondered, why that one got in there. <laughs> Have you ever thought that way? When I was young and, and up until just recently, I never understood why the shortest verse in the Bible was there. I mean, most of us know what the shortest verse of the Bible is because that's just interesting trivia. And you choose that one for your verse memorization <laughs> in grade school. Jesus wept. I mean, you know the story. Lazarus had died and he was Jesus's friend. And he heard that he was sick, nigh unto death, but he didn't come quickly. He finished what he was doing in Mm -hmm. one city, and then he went to Mary and Martha. And by then, Lazarus had already died. 
and he was in the tomb and Mary and Martha were were mourning yeah. and 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 wailing and sad and the people in Lazarus's community his friends his family were were besides themselves they were they were mourning and what did Jesus do well he raised him from the dead sure but what did he do first he wept with them. He wept with them. And I never understood that. Why would he cry? Because he knows how that story is going to end. He knows that he has victory over death. Nobody else does. Yeah. I never understood that until this season of my life when I have been taught how important it is to mourn with someone. It's in the Beatitudes. Yeah. Jesus showed us there is... There's no wasted words in the Bible. In in some of the most significant passages, God showed us that he mourns and he wants us to mourn. And I have never understood that because I really honestly, to be to be honest with you, I try really hard not to think that deeply about something that it makes me sad. Yeah. We have so many things that can take our thoughts away from sadness. Yeah, easy enough to escape. But that's not what God wants us to do, especially not with our brothers and sisters. When they hurt, he wants us to hurt with them. And I think I'm just figuring that out in my life. And, And I don't exactly know how to do that, except I know a lot of it has to do with being still. Don't you just love science? I love science so much that I made music. Science! Science that tells you what you're doing is good. Oh, I like that, that kind of science. I like that science even better. If you talk to your dog using a baby voice, you know that high-pitched voice. Oh, puppy! Like, oh, it's a good I dog. The baby. Who's a good boy? Yeah. That voice, you know, you do it. Scientifically, you are making your dog happy. They actually did a scientific study on this. They they studied dog brains while people got to come up to the dogs and say things like, who's a good, who's boy? A good boy? Versus, I went to the movies yesterday. Exactly. Literally, that's what they did. And they found out dogs like the doggy voice. <laughs> they like that high-pitched baby voice that drives everybody else in your family crazy. But listen... If you are not using a dog voice to talk to your dog, you're probably an alien from outer space. Do you say goodbye to your pets when you leave them in the morning? Duh. I mean, if I didn't, he'd have a terrible day. You can't not do it. Like they, the eyes as you leave them. I know. Listen. Even, oh, sometimes Bagel comes and gets in the picture window. Yeah. And he like watches as I drive away and my heart rips out of my chest and runs back home. Listen, we have cats who like us. I know there are some people who don't think cats like you. Our cats like us. Yes, your cats actually do like you. And every morning when I leave, they sit on the dining room table and they just blink at me you know you know you know the cat blink that that slow motion blink and it means i love you so much right now oh sure that's what it means and i have to come up and you give a very gentle pet along the jawline you say bye bye buddy (laughs) and you have to do it to two now you have to do it to two you know i've got to make sure they both know that i'm not leaving because i dislike them in fact it hurts me to leave them behind i try to communicate the nuance of that but boy do they they look sad when I leave. Now, we're just going to assume that if you do this, you do this with that special high voice that you reserve mm. just for them. But 
Do you say goodbye to your pet before you leave every day? Maverick loves to ride. He, and like they know him in the drive through at McDonald's in Norwalk. And he <laughs> He's like halfway out the window like, don't you have something to give me? Right. <laughs> I have to bribe him to stay home. So, of course, like you said, Taylor, you got to be equal with you. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll give him a treat. Actually, I call them doggy cigarettes. Oh. <laughs> for those we're all hide two sticks and yeah. when they grab them and they run around with them they look like yeah <laughs> that's exactly what it looks like i totally say goodbye and so first i have to tell maverick i have to go but mm-hmm. you can't go with me <laughs> <laughs> you know sometimes your heart hurts and you don't know really how to express it yeah and i think that's how I have been feeling, you've been feeling about the things that we're seeing happening in our country right now. Um, And I don't always want it to be my voice. You know, when I when I talk about this stuff, I, I, I think my voice has been heard enough. Yesterday, we found a gentleman, a man that it's like, I kind of like, why why didn't I know about him before? Because <laughs> when I started listening to him talk about what he's dealt with and the way that he looks at racism in this world, I thought, this is a wise and, and wonderful man. And then our boss, Bruce, was like, oh, yeah, Dr. Crawford, uh, Crawford Lawrence. Yeah, he's great. He's one of my best, yeah. my favorite speakers. And we were like, oh, OK. <laughs> but he, he gave this really beautiful speech speech and Jen was sharing it with me and he talked about getting up after the night of some protests that had turned violent and saying we're going to do something we're going to go clean up there was like a gift shop that had just you know mm-hmm. there was broken glass and everything and it was him, him and his wife yeah and he said they found something really beautiful there was glass everywhere in that gift shop and uh, we began grabbing brooms and dust pans and anything we can get our hands on just to shovel this stuff away but something sweet happened As I looked around me, here I saw white folks and black folks cleaning up this mess. You know, when I left there, I just thought to myself, that's a picture of what the way things should be, that across ethnic lines, we ought to be doing these things. It's a portrait of what the church should be about. It's a picture of how we should be leading in these things. Yesterday, I was introduced to Dr. Crawford Loritz. And I think he had this beautiful response to, I think a lot of us looking, it's like, how is it in 2020 this stuff is still going on? Racism has been with us for years. It's been with us. It, it, it continues to nag at us. It is our national sin. And, uh, and, and yet at the same time, uh, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ God has raised us up, and we should be models of a destination. We should be models of hope. We should not reflect the mess in our culture and in our society, but we should be a portrait of that glorious destination. We should be a picture of what the power of the gospel can do in changing our hearts and changing our lives. And we should need, we need to be speaking out against against the injustices all around us. You found this video, Jen, of Dr. Crawford Loritz just talking about his life as an African-American man and what he's seen in systemic racism mm-hmm. and how he has learned to deal with it and the hope that he's found. Now, listen, I am more motivated now than ever before. My whole life, I've been in this space of racial reconciliation. It's not something that is new to me. I didn't even know I was doing it when I was a kid. I was born and raised in a multi-ethnic community the first 12 years of my life in Newark, New Jersey. And all my life, I've been involved in coming together with people who are different than myself. And those are God's sovereign foundations in my life. Has it been tiring? Yes. Has it been challenging? Yes. 
Have you been misunderstood? Absolutely. But I tell you, I wouldn't trade this for anything else in the world because it represents the noble vision of what the church needs to be. And when these things happen, it's God's call to us to aggressively march toward modeling the unity of the body of Christ and reaching across lines. It puts urgency into who we are. It helps us understand that the gospel is not a fad. The gospel is not something that just helps me feel good about myself. That the gospel requires sacrifice. It requires me moving out of myself and moving toward my brother and my sister who are different than I am. Why? Because the blood of the Lord Jesus was shed for all of us and we have been created in the image of God. And we need to make that statement to a watching world. Dr. Heidi, a lot of us have spent time crawled under the covers, eating our quarantine snacks, and we've kind of let our physical health go by. But if what you've been saying the last couple times we've been talking to you is true, that our physical bodies are in this with us, it makes a lot of sense that we keep our physical bodies healthy. So much more often now we're in that fight or flight mode as we're trying to process these changes that we're seeing in stores and we're trying to process these decisions that other people are making around us that we may or may not agree with. We have to get out of that fight or flight mode. And one really important way of doing that is exercise. So not just because you need your work pants to fit when you go back to work, (laughs) but also because we need to manage that stress hormone that's in our body. So going for a walk, getting your heart rate up, biking with your family. Any of the things that get you out and get you moving are going to help burn off that stress hormone and help your amygdala, that emotional center of your brain, calm down so you're able to think more clearly again. Well, I know you, Taylor, have been working out at home. Yeah, and it's been kind of two competing impulses because I have days where I am too stressed and depressed to go work out. Mm. And I know yeah. in my head that it's going to make me go, you know, if I go and do it, I'm going to feel better. But at the moment, trying to peel myself off the couch is almost impossible. Wow. And yeah. there are days when I can do it. And there are days when I can't. But the days yeah. when I can, I do end up feeling a whole lot better. And that's what I have to tell myself is I know in my head that this is going to be worth it. And so that's that taking every thought captive piece. And that's that true statement piece where it feels like the best thing to do right now is just lay on this couch and not move. But the truth is I will feel so much better if I get up and move my body. And maybe you're on the couch. You don't want to do a full workout. You don't want to go through the hassle of changing whatever clothes you're in into workout clothes. Just maybe roll off the couch and do a plank. Right? <laughs> like, like, just start. That's such a good idea. I actually did that once. I did like, okay, I don't want to do the whole rigmarole, but I'll do part of my workout. I'll do the most fun parts of it and nothing else. You negotiated with yourself. I negotiated with myself. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. This does not need to be 45 minutes of beach body, right? No (laughs) one cares. This just needs to be something to do something different with your body. I don't care if you jump up and do five jumping jacks. If we change what our body is doing when we're feeling stuck and we're feeling depressed and we're feeling anxious, it helps. So one of my best friends in the world mm-hmm. was making a cherry pie. Oh, so does that mean you were going to get a slice well, of cherry pie? Well, you know, you get excited when you hear that your best friend mm-hmm. in the world is making a cherry pie. And that is like a highlight of your day. I get excited when I hear about anybody making pie. I know, I know. Yeah. But her making the cherry pie actually didn't end up being the highlight of the day. There was a really? better highlight of the day. A higher highlight than pie? <laughs> As she was 
you know, most of us keep our phone nearby. Yeah. When we're, when Maybe we're doing you got anything. the recipe on there. Right. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. Uh, but uh, she finished up making her pie, you know, doing this with her hands, mm-hmm. kind of clapping them together, getting all the flour and the dust off after she's put the pie in the oven to bake lovingly mm-hmm. with all that cherry goodness on the inside of it. Then she goes to grab her phone. It's not there. What? Yeah. No phone. Where, where'd the phone go? Oh, boy. Moment so of panic. You know, is it in her pocket? She's doing the whole checking her pocket. Is she holding it? Nope. Nope. Not in her hand. Not in okay. there. Opens the refrigerator. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I not, mean, you look everywhere. Not in the refrigerator. Nowhere. Finally, <laughs> she goes over to the sink where the dishes to be rinsed are. Oh, no. Yeah. She put her phone in the she sink. She put her phone in the sink with the rinsed dishes. <laughs> Did she rinse the phone? A little bit. But oh. fortunately, it was water resistant. Good. The thing. We do to our phones. Our phones sustain a lot of <laughs> everything. Lauren rinsed hers off in a sink full of dishes. Anna burnt hers on the stove. I dropped mine and shattered it on the very first day that I owned it. What have you done to your phone, Grace? So I was walking out of class and I had my hands really full. You know, it's my laptop and all my textbooks. And yeah. so I was like barely hanging on to it, you know, with two fingers. And I dropped it down like several flights of stairs it like fell on the first one and i was like oh no don't keep going please don't keep going and then it went down the next one no! and the next one and the next one and all my friends are there they're like grace oh my goodness like there's no way it survived that and i so i hurried down and i looked and it was fine really it made it yes yes it didn't have a single scratch that's a really good case here's my problem with phone cases they cost more than that first track phone I bought. Did you hear Grace's story? Yeah. They're worth it. Well, it's, and that's the, the challenge I get is I look after I get a new phone and I've got the wall o cases. And it's like, well, I can buy this one that's pretty cheap, but no. it's mostly decorative. Or yeah. I can buy this one that I have to put down a down payment on. I go straight for the OtterBox. I know me. Yeah. Did, you, did you hear my story? I, I, yeah, I have heard your story. Mine's like a mid-size sedan, so it's like not amazing. Seriously, but your phone is so unremarkable. <laughs> that's the point. And look, mine is colorful and bright. Yeah, it's uh, very reflective of our personalities. <laughs> bright and unremarkable. Now that's minutes. a morning show I'd listen to. <laughs> She's bright. He is also here. <laughs> We've all done crazy things with mm-hmm. our cell phones, but Sherry, you've got a story about what you did to yours? We're at a restaurant in a hotel. We're walking out. I tell my husband, go to the car. I'm going to stop and use the restroom. I flip my jacket up. My phone falls out of my pocket and into the public toilet. Oh! Did you retrieve it? Without a second thought, I swooped in with my hand and oh. pulled it out. I'm reaching into my pocket, pulling my phone apart, standing underneath the hand blower, trying to dry my phone. I finally make it out to the car about 10 minutes later. My husband's like, I was going to come in and see you. And the tears are streaming down my face, and my phone is in pieces. I'm the gal whose son battled cancer. My son's cancer journey is stored on that phone. Oh, goodness. All of his pictures from chemotherapy. I mean, all of his cancer journey is stored on this phone. My husband's driving. I'm holding the phone up to the vent. We're blowing 100 miles an hour out the vent as he's driving to Walmart. 
so that I can buy rice and a Ziploc baggie. Yep. And I throw my phone pieces into the bag of rice that I created, left it for three weeks, and by God's grace, it powered back up, and I was able to save my son's cancer journey. Wow. wow. That is epic. Uh, but the things we do for those most precious phones we have. <laughs> All right, Diane, what have you done to your cell phone? We were boarding a flight. And you know, as you get ready to step on the airplane, <gasps> there's that little teeny space between no. where no. you're exiting off the ramp. No. I had my cell phone in my hand, and I was like, I'm so excited. And my cell phone literally went in the air and dropped right between that crack. No. And I, as I watched it, and it fell to the tarmac. What happened? I told the stewardess, I go, I just dropped my phone. I need that phone. And she goes, we'll get it. And I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting on the airplane. Here comes a nice stewardess. She goes, what color was it? And I said, red. And she, oh, I have a black one. What? Go, no, 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 no. That's not it. That's not it. <laughs> I felt a little better that I wasn't the only one. And she did find my red phone. <laughs> there's fear. There's anxiety. There's tension between people who have power and people who feel powerless. Hmm, yeah. And then in a manger in Bethlehem, Jesus Christ is born. <laughs> I see what you did. <laughs> I, I think that it's this beautiful thing that you look at what God's people were going through then. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a truly scary and chaotic time. But scary and chaotic times are the places where Jesus shows up. So as I look around at the chaos and the fear all around me, I think the thing I'm looking for is where's Jesus going to show up? Because I know he will. And here's more from Dr. Crawford Loritz. And the message I think that we ought to be grabbing from this is that, look, it's not good enough to say that we're not racist. That's not good enough. I think the message when we see these kinds of injustices take place, we all need to be anti-racist because you see that racism is a sin. It's the sin of partiality with pigmentation. It is a disregard of people simply because of how they look or where they come from. And as, as a body of Christ, there is no room whatsoever for the sin of racism. We ought to be anti-racism because it's sin, just like we ought to be anti-lying, just like we ought to be anti-stealing, and just like we ought to be anti-pornography. It is a sin. And it's a horrendous sin because it lessens the dignity of people. It mars the image of God. And so our attitudes and how we look at folks needs to to be one of giving them value. We need to be pro-life and not just pro-birth. I want to say that again. We need to be pro-life and not just pro-birth. Meaning that we need to support the dignity and value of every single human being from the time of conception to the time they breathe their last breath. Because we all have the image of God written on our souls. Sometimes it's important to hear other voices than our own. Yeah. Um, And I am learning that more and more. By examining myself and the way that I've been, I like to talk a lot and I like people to hear what I have to say, but there are times when it's much more important and biblical to listen. And I think it's easy to, man, just everything that's happened over the last couple weeks and and now there's protests Mm -hmm. and, and there's social media posts and all this stuff. And if you're like me and it's like, okay, I want to... 
what's next for me besides posting something cute on Facebook? Hmm. Like, what's something that's going to enact real change? And Dr. Crawford Loritz has this incredible speech. You can find it on our Facebook page now. Um, But this is kind of what he said were some good action steps. There's a heart reality that we need to embrace. And so the challenge is for us is a rush toward authentic relationships with people who are different than we are and to love them well. Then secondly, we need to give voice and speak up for those who have been hurt and injustices have been committed against them. Justice is nothing more than relational righteousness. It's speaking the truth of God, is articulating what is right and what is wrong. And as followers of Jesus Christ, when we see people mistreated, when the very image of God that's stamped on their souls is being attacked, then we need to speak up. And then we need to love one another with a sincere love and build each other up, hang with each other, correct your children, correct those in your circle of influence, challenge them about their thinking. Again, it's not good enough to be non-racist. We've got to be anti-racist, anti-anything that devalues people because we've been created in the image of our great God. Listening is often the first step to gaining a new perspective. And that's something that I have realized Mm -hmm. in the last couple of weeks is that I need a new perspective on things. I didn't think I did, but I do. And that's a hard realization at 29 and a half years old. (laughs) And that's that's something we've been trying to do, because I think the reaction is something big is going on in the country. We're radio people. It's time for us to talk. Mm -hmm. But... I would like someone who has a little bit darker shade of skin than I do to do the talking. And we have been so inspired and challenged and moved by what Dr. Crawford Loritz has said. Um, and this is the prayer that he said he has for our country. I'm praying for an authentic revival to hit our churches, but not a revival that will just help us to feel good about ourselves and a privatized Christianity, but a revival that will baptize us in a Holy Ghost love and a Holy Ghost compassion that would cause us to rush toward people and to stand arm in arm with folks who have been mistreated, who have been abused, and let them feel and sense the hope and the love of the Lord Jesus. We need to pray. Pray for our cities right now. They're hurting. There's chaos out there. There's people with hidden agendas behind all of this, no doubt, no doubt. But pray for healing. Pray for our young people who are confused right now. Pray for kids, you know... I get grandkids and, you know, they're young and, you know, these kids are asking, why are they killing us? Why don't they like us? Why are we viewed as the problem? I don't say that to come across as a martyr, but just a line of the facts. And the solution to that is an authentic love. I think it's a good time for a psalm. I think David was always able to keep at the front of his mind how great and powerful God was. And as I've sat and talked to friends about just like all the issues we're facing right now and how big they are Mm -hmm. and how lost we feel when Mm -hmm. confronting them. Helpless. To remember that we have a God who rules over everything is powerful. Psalm 93 says, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne 
is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring, but mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. I simply cannot believe that these things exist, Taylor. It's, it's beautiful, isn't uh, it? But of course, you would be the one to find them. I've actually seen these advertised for a long time. I haven't. Well, Where Jen, have I been? You're not running in the right circles. <laughs> because I went to Fairway yesterday and I was like, let's do something nice for a Friday for the office and bring in some treats. And so I did find some scotcheroos. Well, those are yum. I, I knew those would be popular. But then I was like, let's get adventurous. Because I saw... The Chips Ahoy's that have Sour Patch Kids in them. Sour Patch now, Chips Ahoy's. Instead of chocolate chips, no! it's got Sour Patch Kids. Okay, no, no, that how, is a how foul. How do you know? You haven't tried it. That is a cookie foul. How do you know it's you bad? never, ever, 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 ever take out the chocolate and put in Sour Patch Kids. I mean, you can do an oatmeal raisin cookie that's got some fruitiness in there. You can do a blueberry muffin that's got some fruitiness in there. But you take out the chocolate chips and you put in the abomination that is Sour Patch Kids and you, you call that a cookie? take back what you just said about uh, no. Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> they are an abomination. The Sour Patch Kids are a national treasure, Jen. Oh my goodness. Now, Taylor, I have a question for you. Okay. All right. At any point in your life, do you see yourself getting, I don't know, too old or mature to actually buy stuff like that? Do you ever see yourself walking by that in Fairway and going, no, I can't do that. I am not a child anymore. I I hope I never become that, Jen. I want to be like this forever. Oh, my word. I have peaked, Jen. I will never be more amazing than I am at this second. That's a sad question. (laughs) I don't know why more people aren't on board with this. <laughs> because it's disgusting. Chips Ahoy now I'm, has oh. cookies with Sour Patch Kids inside of them. But they took out the chocolate chips. They took out the chocolate chips and they put in Sour Patch Kids instead. What do you think about that, Paul? Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> Taylor. What? I'm sorry. Have you tried them? You... Yeah. I am I am with Jen on this. <laughs> you, you you destroyed a cookie. Cookie destroyer. I'm not, they, they already came that way. I'm not destroying them. <laughs> no. You guys haven't even tried it. It, it may Why be would amazing. I? It may be amazing. Why would I? The first I person to Ahoy. dip their French fry in a milkshake. People were like, "You're destroying a perfectly good potato," and then they figured things out. The first person to put peanut butter and pickles together. They were like, you're just no, need to not do that. Stop it. There stop are plenty talking. of things. Peanut butter and chocolate. Taylor. Yeah. Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. Taylor. Yeah. I'm not a pregnant woman. I never will be a pregnant woman. <laughs> Is that the kind of taste buds I have? Do I have the taste buds of a pregnant woman? Obviously you do. (laughs) This has been the Taylor and Jen podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the life107.1 app.